Welcome to the podcast, Moving Through Fear, where we explore the role fear has in leading us toward what's most important. I'm Craig Strong, photographer, inventor, and co-founder of Lens Baby Inc. Along the way, I've met a lot of amazing people who've learned a great deal about how to live life well. In these one-on-one conversations, we explore the role fear and negative emotions have played in, of all things, making life better. In this conversation with Robert Pugh, we explore his journey and how photography really pretty much saved his life and gave him a way out of some struggles around his mental health and his emotional state and just a sense of purpose that he needed to have and something to dig into that has really sustained him. Robert takes us through not only some very personal parts of his journey, but he also gives us some things to to walk away with. And I, I say at the end that, that he gives us multiple workshops, week-long workshops to work through because he gives us assignments that can give us a, a, a way to learn, a um, an assignment that, that is short and sweet, in his words, that isn't super daunting going in, but can be really profound in terms of our takeaway. I really enjoyed this conversation with Robert, and I hope you do as well. Hi, I'm Craig Strong. I'm here with Robert Pugh, who is, in his own words, a wacky, ambitious, always motivated professional photographer who is full of beans. Now, I want to hear about that, Robert, uh, but you've been shooting lenses uh, from Lens Baby since 2016, and we've gotten the opportunity to work together at some trade shows in the UK and Birmingham. And uh, I just love your spirit. I love, uh, you know, the little bit I have of your story. And I just see you out there constantly making a difference in the world of photography as far as your enthusiasm for teaching and bringing people alongside. Uh, And so I wanted to have a conversation with you. And here we are. Yeah, and it's um, it's good to be here, and I'm uh, I'm looking forward to having our conversation and see what what secrets we can unveil as well. <laughs> good. Well, I appreciate you being being game for that, and uh, so I, I want to know what "full of beans" means in the UK. Oh, full of beans. Full of beans means um, you you can't stand still. You're you're always sort of jumping around or moving around, and. Um, uh, my my wife uh, Lisa, she always says, "Go, you you know, you're always full of beans. You you can't just sit down because if I sit down on the couch to do something, straight away I'll think, oh, but I could just do this, and then I'm up again doing something else. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I'm always full of beans. <laughs> oh, I love that. I, I I you just identified a a new term to describe myself as well. So thank you for that. <laughs> no problem. So, Robert, when I reached out to you about having this conversation, um, I, I said that we'd like to talk about the Lens Baby mission statement, which is we empower artists to move through fear to discover extraordinary creative freedom. And uh, that resonated with you. And uh, I guess my first question would be around that. Like, can you remember uh one of the first times for you that that you felt anxiety going into something and yet you pushed through oh you know um so this is probably where i'm going to shock a lot of people who who listen to this because i don't i don't really talk about uh this side of um myself a lot but um i i actually have bipolar um so i've got uh, bipolar and i've got a a personality disorder as well uh, and that came through the army so i've always had bipolar but it's, it's laid quite dormant um and then everything i went through in the army um and especially when i came out of the army i, I found life pretty difficult uh, it took me kind of two years to rehabilitate back into civilian life um and one of the big things that I I struggled with was communication and and actually talking to people. Uh, To be in front of someone, I would just, I would clam up. I I didn't know what to say. Um, If things wasn't in the place, it it kind of really stressed me out and um, sent me all over the place. So 
I kind of had to find some sort of release to uh, to balance myself out and I never wanted to be that person that was stuck on medication, you know, or anything like yeah. that. So I, I always refused that. I didn't didn't want to take any medication. And one kind of advice I got was to take up a hobby, something that I could get, uh, you know, deeply stuck into. And it, it kind of took me away from the world I can concentrate on. And that was where photography kind of came in. Mm. So for me, photography is my medication. Uh, wow. I get so lost in it, and for the first, I'm going to say for the first three years, it was it was a scary, daunting task. Um, yeah. I I knew I wanted to turn it into a career, but I knew I also struggled with this face to face communication. Um, I, I'm also uh, dyslexic as well, so I, I I spell everything as it sounds. And I thought, well, how am I going to, you know, jump over this hurdle and create a business when maybe I write an article on a website and, you know, I, I read it and it looks perfect to me, but maybe everyone else is going to laugh at it and, and think it looks stupid or it sounds stupid. So all of these fears were sort of coming into me and a big part of me thought, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be able to do it. I'm never going to... Uh, be able to make a business, be able to be a photographer and be able to work for myself. And and that was my biggest fear. So straight away, how do I move forward from that? How do, how do I even tackle it? What do I tackle first? Um, so I decided that my first point of call was to to go back to college and, and college was scary for me. Uh, I, you know, I struggled through school with, uh, you know, being dyslexic. Um, and I decided, no, you know what? I, I'm going to try and overcome my first fear. Uh, and that was college and, you know, doing all the assignments. So I went back to college and I knew photography in the film era before I went into the army. So, you know, you put a film camera in front of me and it was, yeah, no problem, I, I could do all of that. But when I came out of the army, it was in this kind of digital era and there was Lightroom and it's kind of, what's Lightroom? You know, what, what do you do with it? And that was ooh, back in, I would say, uh, 1999, so 2000 was the first time I actually logged on and seen the internet and you sort of you looked at this one page and thought well is that it is that the internet you know <laughs> <laughs> you just didn't know what to do with it and when you know people was telling you that you had to edit your pictures in this software it's like that, that's crazy um surely i just need a dark room you know and i can just you know lose myself in that room with my red bulb and and uh, do my uh, films so so that was the hurdle I had to start overcoming. Uh, I pushed myself through it. I really stuck through college and uh, I ended up um, completing it all. I got my master's in uh, photography, uh, which I, I was super proud. And I think that going through that fear of, of learning photography again and learning the digital side of it, actually getting that achievement and getting my master's in photography, I... I was ready for anything and, you know, I was starting to talk to people more as I was behind the camera. And I think I was, that's, that's the key part because I was behind the camera. It gave me this confidence because I wasn't actually speaking to that person. I was behind something. Um, and from that, my confidence started to build up. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so I, uh, I got my masters and, uh, moved forward from there. Um, one of the things that everyone, I mean, probably people don't see it now, but once I tell you, they'll see it all the time. So I, I do just like, talk for England now. You can't shut me up. I mean, <laughs> a, a big part of my fear is gone. And now I've overcome it. I, I literally, I get so excited. I mean, with weddings, I'm, I'm the guy jumping around. Uh, I forget sometimes I'm actually there to take pictures because I'm talking to all the guests and I'm finding all their stories out. Uh, and when I do shows as well, and when we're uh, when I'm standing there and there's you know sort of 200 people in front of you, and you know I clam up as well. I think, oh my god, you know, I'm going to speak to all these people. And a lot of uh, a lot of advice I, I got was, you know, well, 
just look at the first row and just talk to that, you know, that first row of people. And I, I, I still couldn't do that. So I don't wear my glasses all the time, but every time I do a talk in, um, in front of a crowd, I put my glasses on and straight away, it's as though I'm back behind the camera. I'm back behind something wearing my oh. glasses and that's it. I just open up and I just blabber on and I talk about everything and it's as though there's no fear there anymore. Mm. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, to, you know, to kickstart this talk off with you, um, that is, that is definitely one of my biggest fears was going back into photography and, and having to communicate with people on a daily basis. Um, uh, I, it does blow my mind because now when I think back and I sit here at my desk and every morning, you know, I open up the studio, I come in, I'm editing, I'm answering emails and I don't even think um, about it, you know, twice. I'll do an email, send it off and uh, maybe I do my accounts as well and then I'll get a shoot and I'll go out and do a shoot. And it never dawns on me at the back of my head that, you know what, Robert, you are dyslexic, you know, you do have bipolar and I just don't let those things pull me down now. Um, mm. I really focus on the photography and push myself forward. And one of the, one of the biggest hurdles I had to overcome in the last, I've got to say two years because of, you know, this crazy sort of, I don't even like saying the word COVID uh, time, which uh, probably put us all into this kind of mental health state that we all had to suffer. Uh, was all worrying about our businesses and we all had so much time on our hands and you know what do we do with it uh, and for me that was a that was a really big uh, big hit because i i need my work to keep my mind off things and when i yeah. when i don't have things to do that's when i go down you know i'll have i've i'll have bad days where I do go down, the depression starts kicking in and, you know, you you are struggling. Um, and for me, it's as though your medications run out, you know, you've got no photography to do. So, oh my God, yeah. you, know, it, it, you know, I can't get down to the doctors or I can't refill that prescription. Um, for me, it's like, there's no shoots to do, you know, what am I going to do? And we're all stuck in our gardens. There's only so much we could do. And I'm, my garden's immaculate, you know, I've done so much gardening, it's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> but then it got to a point where there's nothing to do. So I decided that I would focus on other things. Um, you know, I would, I would experiment and I would, I would see what I could do. I put myself out of the comfort zone again with, with the cameras and that sort of brought me to lens baby. And, you know, I'm not just going to say this, but Lens Baby actually really did help me over that two years mentally because they're manual lenses. I set myself a target of each month I would only use one lens. I put wow. it onto the camera and that's kind of all I would use. Hmm. Um, and because of that, you know, there's some lenses that even I feel uncomfortable with because I'm like, Do you know what? I don't use it that much. So, um, is it because when I put it on, I'm getting it wrong? And why am I getting it wrong? Sure. So then I decided, well, that let's fix that. Let's put that one lens on the camera for a month and anything I shoot is just gonna be with that one lens. And it did it, you know, it focused my mind. And because my mind was focused, I was thinking about that shot and the settings and getting it right. And then was I was looking on the computer, seeing where it went wrong. And I just kept building and building and building on that. And because of that, I can honestly say that pretty much got me through that lockdown over, you know, the wow. months that we were stuck in. And because it was just focusing my mind every day and giving me that task to do. So, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was that's, tough. That's really powerful, Robert. Yeah. And uh, I feel like, uh, you've asked all the questions for me and, and, uh, <laughs> where do I, where do I go from here? But the, the, uh, the fact that you came out of the military and were really stuck and it sounds like like you had some huge hurdles to to come over you know to to get over and that was you know the you, you talk about bipolar 
you talk about um, depression and dyslexia and a personality disorder and 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 you didn't want to take medication. Um, what what was it about uh, photography or a direction, something to focus on that that you felt would be better than than going the traditional route of being medicated? What what was it that that turned you in that direction? So. When I when I first came out uh, of the army, so I was actually I was medically discharged uh, out of the army. So I've got um, uh, my shoulders false. I've got my vertebrae fused together as well, um, and the the army kind of have this this one way of doing things. So the rehabilitation process of you know getting back into civilian life. Uh, and I, I was on medication for 12 months. I, I just, I just think it just made me feel very drowsy all the time. And as though I couldn't, cause that, that's that uh, for bipolar, the medication, it makes you as though you can't kind of think properly or, you know, you want to do something, but you just, you, you can't do it and um, you know if you come off the medication that you can run at a hundred percent you know capacity you you can think about that maybe you're, you're editing something and when you're editing it you're editing it really slow and it takes you know about an hour to do it but the frustrating thing is if you come off the medication you know you could do that in 10 minutes you could just fly mm -hmm. through it mm -hmm. so that's why i i really didn't want to be on that person that was just you know, for the rest of my life, just taking pills every single day just to get through the day. Well, that uh, sounds like the opposite of being full of beans. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, it, it was so when I when I did come out, I you know I had my uh, a flat, and in my head I didn't need anything. So I had one knife and fork. I had um, you know a couch, a bed. Uh, I had a plate and so also because I didn't need, you know, four plates or I didn't need a bunch of knives and forks. It just didn't make sense to me. And you would wake up in the morning and because you've been told what to do for, you know, for so long, you kind of just thought, well, what do I do today? And I think because you're stuck in that cycle of always getting up and thinking what to do, that just makes you more depressed and it just really struggles to uh, to push you forward so um, how did you so, find photography to in in that process of, of finding what didn't work so there's a there's actually a, a, a sort of a separate entity that helps soldiers rehabilitate uh, back hmm. into civilian life and they're called SAFA um so over here that you know what i can honestly say i probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for safa so really? they came in and you know they helped furnish my flat they they took me out and you know we bought things that i didn't feel that I needed but they were like you know let's make your uh place a home let's make it something that you you enjoy being in and then uh, we would talk about the things that I like or used to do. And, and one of the things that I really like to do, so uh, my daddy was an engineer, but he was an amateur photographer. And I always used to play with his film cameras and uh, we was always doing photography around. And that was a big topic that always came up. So that was when we decided that, you know, maybe doing photography maybe that would be something that i would enjoy and focus my mind so uh, so yeah so i uh, i ended up buying uh, a camera um and then uh, that was my task to to use the camera as as mainly a hobby you know just something to focus on uh, but because i struggled so much with someone telling me what to do. So I was a sergeant um, in the army and to work behind a desk and then, excuse me, someone half your age telling you what to do. I was, I was kind of, yeah, I, I can't really do that. So, <laughs> uh, because of the photography, then we started to think, well, would you enjoy a job in photography? Uh, and then I, that's when I got the mindset about, yeah, well, maybe that's something to work towards. And 
Safa really kind of pointed out that when I'd been out shooting, when I'd been out taking pictures, my whole sort of mindset was totally different. I was, I was happy. I was, uh, I was on a roll, but when I didn't do any photography, I kind of, I, I came down, um, and I was stuck, uh, on this certain level all the time. So, so yeah, so that's when we kind of made that decision to, um, push forward with the photography and, and use that as, as my medication to, to keep me in that sort of, you know, high zone and not be taking the medication because I think it was upsetting me as well, taking the medication because it's not something I wanted to do, but I was doing it because at the time it was the only option, you know, there was sure. Uh, it sounds like that, that was a bridge and it yeah. was also something that, that, gave you enough experience to say, I don't want to do that because, yeah. uh, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't leading to a more satisfying life. It sounds yeah. like, yeah. And it, exactly I mean, that, that had to be its own, own set of fears. I can imagine of, I I'm afraid of living a life that, that is just, you know, <laughs> reduced in terms of yeah. my energy and my focus and all that. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I mean, in the army, I was kind of, God, if we go all the way back to uh, 96, um, you know, when uh, I was doing a basic training and I was the guy that if I walked into the NAFI, um, I, do you know what the NAFI is when I say the no. NAFI? No. Okay. So uh, the NAFI is kind of the, the military bar, you know, where you all hang out in the base. Uh, so uh -huh. in, the, in, in, the, in the British Army, it's called the NAFI. Um, so I'd walk into there and I'd sit at an empty table and within like, you know, a couple of minutes, my table was full because I was always that very competitive person. And I was always the person to be around, uh, when we had PT in the army, um, say there was a circuit and you come up and there was the, the pull up bar there and you only had to do three pull ups and then you, you moved on to the next circuit. Well, I was the one that did five pull-ups, and if I seen the person next to me do more, then I did more, and all of a sudden there was this competition going on, you know. <laughs> so, um, so, I, and that was kind of me in the army. I was um, full of beans, you know. That that's uh, that's the term going up. Um, and it was only I kind of only went into a shell when I became a, a sniper, and because I spent so much time on my own then that's kind of when I started to struggle to speak to people in the civilian side of life so um, if it was orders or anything to do with the tasks at hand then no problem you know um, I, I was straight focused on that but anything to do with civilian life and talking to other people, I kind of distanced away from it because when you're sitting or when you're in an infill and you're lying there, maybe you're there for, you know, 72 hours. Um, and it sounds really crazy to say, but you talk to yourself a lot because in your head, you can't talk out loud because, you know, you, you don't want anyone to know you're, you're there, but you're talking to yourself um, in your head a lot about, Oh, you know, maybe I'm going to do this next week and, um, oh, it'd be good to do this. And it's just, it's a very strange feeling that you become your best friend because you're spending so much time just with yourself and no one else. Hmm. Hmm. Well, and I'm, I've got a knot in my stomach, just imagining that the, the extended time and the circumstances, the danger you were under and having to entertain yourself amidst that and those conversations. I, I think that as, as you're sharing your story and I'm so grateful that you're, you're sharing things that I, I had no idea were part of, of your, uh, your journey. Uh, I'm so grateful because so many of us that have, uh, chosen creative fields have had mental challenges along the way and emotional challenges along the way and personality issues and all sorts of things. And that creative outlet for us has been necessary. It's not just about, Hey, I, you know, I want to do this. It's that, no, I have to do this. And it sounds like 
for you, not only did you have to do it like you were compelled to, but it was a survival thing. How do you, how do you think that uh, photography right now, which has become such a huge part of your life, and now you're passing that on as a teacher, uh, and you're teaching them things that that are have been life giving to you. Um, talk to me about that tapestry and and what has compelled you to pass on your knowledge and your love of photography to others. Yeah, I, so you know when I was. When I was getting into photography uh, myself, I actually found it really hard to find information um, or people that was willing to to give. I I know we've all got to make a living, and I you know I know people make businesses out of it, but you know what it 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 should be free just to give information. You know it shouldn't cost anything. I mean, I I say to everyone, um, no matter if I, I've taught them photography or whether they've asked advice you know an email is free uh, a phone call is free you're always welcome to drop me an email or um uh, pick up the phone and i'm always happy to have a, a coffee and have a chat obviously there's that line where it does uh, become chargeable when you're coming around every single monday for uh, two hours with a list uh, but you know, I I really struggled to find where I could find information from um, to uh, uh, to sort of build my confidence in photography. And let's face it, at, at the time when I was doing it, I didn't have that much money. Yes, I had my army pension, um, and you know, I had savings, but that had to get me through until I started earning money, and you know, money was coming in. Um, so, so yeah, I, I just thought to myself, well, I'm not going to be that person. I'm, I'm going to give everything back. So I've got no problem with, uh, running free workshops or doing training for, you know, uh, basically at, at cost if, uh, if that's what it means. Um, and I'm really passionate. One of my big passions is teaching photography. I, I love to, to give all that back. And when people send me emails and say, Joe, that's, that's brilliant, Rob. You've really helped me. You know, uh, I found it really complicated before, but the way you've, uh, you know, you've taught it, it's very sort of layman's terms and it's all sunk in and I'm, I'm now stepping onto the, the next stage. Um, I, I just think that that gives me a really sort of fluffy, warm feeling inside. It's like I've helped someone, you know, who was struggling just like I was all the way back in the days. And now they're on that next progression. They're, they're moving forward. They're, uh, you know, they're full of uh, life. And I love giving people tasks all the time. Uh, it was actually not so long ago um, uh, we had the golden ticket uh, uh, winner of Lens Baby and um, they, they won half an hour with me uh, <laughs> and we spoke for about an hour. Uh, <laughs> so, but then all the way through it at the end, the way I sort of taught her was I gave her a task to do uh, with her lenses and she was so excited at, at the end of it, you know, she couldn't wait to sort of get off and, and start those tasks. And, and she said just by that phone call, she's actually learned so much. Um, oh, that's you know, I, I come away with like a big smile on my face. I'm like, you know, brilliant. Yeah, you know, I love that feeling. I love the feeling of, of helping someone as well. So. Well, and, yeah. and as you're talking, I'm, I'm hearing you say that you are, uh, you're teaching people that were in the same spot as you were. And it almost, I'm, I'm getting the sense that, that it's almost a, a self care that, that, that is you. That's, that's your younger self. And you had NAFA and you had other, um, or SAFA rather, uh, and you had, you had mentors and other people, I'm sure, that, that came in and helped you along the way. And you, and you want to pass that on. That, that's yeah. really great. And, and, uh, I think as creatives, you, there's certainly people that are dealing with a lot of the same emotional things or similar emotional things that you had to deal with when you were getting started. So it, is that life-giving for you to, uh, to be yeah. thinking about bringing someone someone along in, in ways that uh, you relate to? Definitely. You know, I mean, 
I mean, well, in our sort of younger generation, there definitely wasn't the the help for mental health um, back there, and and a lot of it wasn't really understood as well. Sort of in our younger days, um, you know, if you if you had mental uh, health problems, then you should be locked up and you know sectioned. And, you know, that's kind of how it was all back there. But but today it's totally different because they recognise you know mental health and um, you know stress and people with problems. So that's you know photography is kind of a help that I like to give people. It's the way of me um, you know helping people with mental health problems. Some people don't even know that they have mental health problems as well. They, they think it's stress from work. Um, yeah. And even it helps with stress because when you go out into this field, this big open field, you're on your own, you've got the camera, you've already forgotten about all the stress. You, you've forgotten about your mental health problems, if you've got any, and all you're focusing on is how to take that picture of, you know, uh, uh, say that uh, tree or that, bush or that person that's uh, there or the flower and that's your only goal for that for the hour that you're there your only goal is taking that picture and i i know that people they do that and they come away and they feel so much you know better they feel full of life and then monday comes and you go back to mm. your normal desk job uh, but then that's why people have hobbies you know they have hobbies to get away from the the stress and the uh, sort of the mental uh, health problems so and for for me i i definitely say that lens baby you you know you probably don't even think of it in this way but this is how i think of it because lens baby is a manual lens it's gonna help people um who are stressed who do have um you know mental health problems and they love photography but and manual lens slows you down. A manual lens makes your, your mind focus. Mm -hmm. It makes you think about something. So instead of going out happy snappy and just snapping away with your autofocus lens, with that manual lens, you go into this own little bubble and you start thinking about how that lens works and, you know, what's it going to do to the image and uh, what's, the, what's the final outcome going to be? And before you know it, you're totally focused on something else. You've forgotten all your problems and, you know, for that half a day, for that day that you're there, life's good, your smile's on your face and uh, that's it. You know, you're back on that high again and you're ready to do anything. So, Isn't that the way it is, that life is looking for those distractions yeah, that are actually yeah. worthwhile? Because if, if we just focus on life and what I'm hearing you say, if, if, if you had just focused on the way you were feeling, but, but didn't have any sense of escape or, or something that could live beyond that, it was just going to continue to be the same. But, but being able to step out of yourself, being able to um, focus your energy on learning something. You're talking about learning a manual lens and learning all the things that need to go be, go together in order to align. You know, I, you're reminding me of a thought I had earlier this morning, which is uh, Lens Baby provides analog solutions in a digital world and analog means you're touching it it's in your hands and and you know the the all the solutions all the beautiful art that's created digitally is there's nothing against that at all but sometimes we just need to step out and it sounds like that was that was part of it for you now i want to go back to two things you said here one is you talk about yourself being very competitive and you talk about the chin-ups and talk about people sitting with you and wanting to be around you and and you challenging those people and then you also talk about how this should be free now uh, as far as your advice and and so so there's a you know it's not necessarily a capitalistic hey i'm gonna i'm gonna get ahead as much as a con contribution and you're and part of that is your competition but i want to i i want to think about that competitive side of you right now and explore that a little bit is there like a, a really big kind of hurdle photographically for yourself that you challenged yourself with that allowed you to do something that you're super oh. proud of is there a story yeah, you can i mean tell us um, about that? so 
I mean, before we go in, before we go into that, I'm going to answer that question. But one one of the things that okay. I, I I do want to say, and this you know, going back to the manual lenses, is I have this saying that failure is the path to success. So say it all the time, and you know, I, I, people have talked to me about the lens babe lenses, and the, they've said, oh, you know, I I, I got it, and um, you know. I couldn't get it right, so I put it down and I haven't picked it up. I went, but do you know what I've got to say to them all the time is, no, that's the problem. The thing is, is you have done it right because you failed. So when you put the lens on, when you took the picture and it was blurry or it didn't come out properly, then you failed. But that failure, how are you going to learn if you don't fail? So you have to fail first. And then once you fail, you can know where you're failing, you correct it, and then you move on and you've learned from it. So, so, you know, that's kind of one of the biggest things that I love to talk to people. I love to, you know, push uh, push at them. It's like you have to fail to succeed. Now, this is going to lead on to what you just asked. And... <laughs> Well, I, 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 I do, I do want to comment on that. And that is so profound. And I, before you move on to the question about what you've been able to accomplish by pushing through some of those hurdles, uh, how long, like, do you look back in your life and say, okay, I was thinking of failure as something to avoid until I went through this trial or whatnot, because I look at myself as a child and I think of all the things I remember I was at the top of the class in math, and this is probably fifth grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. And I spent two weeks doing something wrong and, and thought I will never be good at math. Um, and I realized what it was. I was carrying the number first rather than last, uh, for, I don't even know if it was addition or multiplication or whatnot. And then my, my result was wrong. Um, and so I look back on that kid who, uh, uh, that young Craig, who saw that failure as this is defining me as bad for life or as a failure. Is there a point at which failure went from being bad to being something that you uh, welcome? I think, do you know, that, that's a tough question to answer because as a, as a kid, I was, I was always really competitive and I was the one that other people... I, let's let's take um, uh, the going to the swimming pool. Now I must have been I, I could, probably about nine years old, and uh, the swimming pools near us they had uh, Olympic diving boards. So you had uh, the baby diving board, and then they, they went up and up and up. And everyone went to the little diving board, and they jumped off it and jumped off it. Now I would go up. And I would just look at that little diamond board and think, no, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm, I'm going up there. And I probably climbed those ladders. The best part, I would say, of a year going up, looking over and then going, no, no, I, I can't do that. That is so high, you know. Um, and then one day yeah. uh, I climbed it and I looked over and I thought, you know what? I've looked over for long enough and I'm going to jump. And I did. I jumped in and I remember hitting the water. And when you hit the water, you go down very deep, very deep. And I was swimming to the top and I was gasping air and gasping air. Now, I didn't go back up there again for, you know, a good amount of time. But I failed at that for a year, just going up and looking, going up and looking. Mm. But eventually mm -hmm. I succeed. I dropped, I jumped up, I did it. I, I achieved it. I was so proud, you know, of myself after that, that I, I was convinced I could do anything. And maybe I didn't go to the top, but I went to the one that was just the next one down all the time. So, but I could always glance up and go, I've done that. You know, I've, uh, I've achieved that. I've done that. That's great. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, and I think from that very early age, I kind of adopted that sort of failure um, to succeed. Um, and it, it really did, sure. you know, help me a, a big part of my life coming forward, even to the point of joining the army. And, uh, you know, if you open me up as a book and you could read every page, you would probably go, actually, you know what, that, that saying really fits Robert. So... 
my brothers, I've got two older brothers, they wanted to join the army. Uh, Michael went and uh, he um, he got rejected because of his uh, of his eyesight, so he didn't make the, the cut. Uh, Brian, uh, he tried to join and um, he failed on his fitness. Uh, and I'm the youngest. And do you know what? I, I honestly think that in my head, I went to join the army to um, to, you know, prove them wrong <laughs> they failed i had to succeed um and it, it <laughs> and it turned out that yeah, competitive and, and little brother did succeed so uh, you know they they was the failure uh, attempts and mine was the uh, success and the you know it, it's always uh -huh. kind of been like that and you know that was the competitive side with, with my brothers you know i had to uh, beat my brothers and um <laughs> I, I love that failure is yeah. the path to success okay back back to my question about the the hurdles that that you've uh that have led to something that was really yeah, okay so um one thing uh springs to mind so i i'm going to say two things actually uh, the, the first one was i always said to myself if i um if i could get my uh, my images up on a billboard then I've, I've made it you know that that would be the thing going into london every day you see the big billboards and i thought if i got my image on one of those billboards I, i've done it you know i'm happy i'd retire that's it i'm done i'm done and uh obviously it's like you know how do you even get your uh you know your image on a billboard i, I can't pay for that myself because that's cheating you know? <laughs> Um, you know, what sort of photography do I want to do? Do I want to do wedding photography? Do I want to, what, what do I do? So after a, a lot of emails, you know, being rejected, uh, cause I tried to get into the media a lot. I thought, you know, I, I'd love to be uh, a media photography, not a paparazzi, but you know, uh, in the media, um, covering uh, stories. I, I thought that would be really interesting. Um, but you needed agencies and everything. And, and because you had no background to you, all the emails that I was sending uh, out, it was just rejections coming back because you had no portfolio until I, I got a break. And uh, one um, came up and said, hey, you know, uh, how would you fancy covering uh, the British uh, motorbike um, championships? You know, I was like, actually, you know, that, yeah, I, I could do that. Uh, never shot sports in my life, but I was like, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. So I went along and uh, I got all my track pass, everything, and uh, did all the shoot. And uh, yeah, so uh, one of my images was of the winning bike and it was coming around this corner and it got picked and it ended up in the motorcycle news and it was uh, the front cover and a full spread in the middle. And it was a big thing to be in the motorcycle news. So I was like, oh my God, I'll take that over a billboard. You know, that's, that's kind of the, <laughs> the first step. So I was over the moon with that. I, I, was, uh, I, was, I was on like cloud nine after that. Um, and then from there, things started to really change. You know, I started out to, to work in the media quite a lot. Uh, and then I got kind of a big break and I, um, I covered, I was the X Factor photographer. So, um, uh, you have X Factor in the States, I know over there. So I was the X Factor photographer for three yep. years, uh, on the top. And, um, uh, one day I'm driving into London and you see this billboard and it's like, that's my image. So uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, do you know when you fantastic. just want to, you want to you stop on that. the motorway and go, and <laughs> it's just, stop all the cars behind you go hold on i need to take in this moment <laughs> so so yeah and I, I did it i got um my image was up there um on the on the billboard and then after that things just seemed to go crazy where you had agencies and agents like sort of contact you and then i um uh, Mariah Carey, I was her photographer for the Nobel Gala Awards, you know, Brian May out of Queen, mm. the band, um, I did, uh, stuff for him and Ita Dobson, uh, and it, it just, it blew my mind, but I, I still had this feeling that I, I wasn't finished, you know, 
this this kind of wasn't me even though i was taking pictures of all the celebrities and i'd got my image on the billboard it's like right well that's the first tick so what's what's next so then i i said to myself right well my my next um, achievement is to be paid to be um to be flown to another country to to do a photo shoot or to do to do something to do with photography okay um that's that's going to be my uh, my next goal that's that's what i want to do and um yes i mean uh, from from that moment i knew that i i wasn't going to be a celebrity photographer because celebrity photographers they work in the limelight but they work in the shadows you know and i'm not that person to be in the shadows i i've been you know i've been in the shadows for so long i'd actually found myself you know the doors had opened i jumped out and i was like this new person it was like look everyone you need to look at me I, i'm me talk to me now um <laughs> so i thought how can i talk i need to talk to people <laughs> I, i've just got to talk to people now and then it was one of my friends was getting married and he said, Hey, you know, would you, would you do our wedding? I was like, Oh, never done a wedding uh -huh. before. So, uh, yeah, yeah, no, no problem. I'll, I'll do that for you. Oh, but you know what? Changed my life. Uh, I, if you would have asked me when I started photography, I was going to be a wedding photographer. No, no way. No, me wedding. No, that's definitely yeah, not. Yeah. And I, I did his wedding <laughs> and I had so much fun. Um, maybe it was because he was a friend as well, but I was getting all the shots and when I was on the dance floor getting all the shots and then uh, I created this website. Do you know, it was actually an awful website. It was, it was black and yellow with all the pictures. I thought it was brilliant at the time, but you know, that, <laughs> that's just then. <laughs> I mean, when I when I look back now, and what, when I see sort of screenshots, I'm oh my god, did I really show people that? <laughs> it was really awful. Uh, but the pictures funny. on it, people was coming to me asking me if I'd do their wedding because they was going, hey, you know, wow, your images seem so full of life, and it's like, well, yeah, because I was on the dance floor at that one there, and uh, and those people had me on the shoulders there, so, <laughs> and then. From there, I kind of found myself as a wedding photographer and I I found something I really enjoyed and had a, a passion about. So so I became this wedding photographer. I, you know, did weddings in a in a totally kind of different way because wedding photographers back then were very stale, you know, they'd go in, you right, it's group shots, line you up, right, we've got an hour now to do group shots. And where I was totally different, I was like, oh, group shots, no, 20 minutes, let's get them out of the way, done, done, done. Right, you, go and have fun. And I'm going to be over here having fun as well, and, you know, do the pictures in this, like, storytelling uh, way. And then, um, you know, life sort of progressed on, and... Then it then it kind of happened where uh, I got invited over to um, uh, to uh, to work for uh, is actually uh, yourself and Fundy. Um, so I went over to Vegas um, and yeah, it was like oh my god. And you know, it only clicked when I was actually over in Vegas and I was doing something for yourself, and it was like yeah, yeah. Oh my god, you know what? I, I've actually been taken to another country to do something on photography exactly so I, i've completed my list <laughs> you know? yeah to exactly. las vegas so, of all that, places this final tick sort of come on and i was like oh my god and and you know what and, and from there i mean i like to think that we have a, a brilliant working relationship you know when you come over here i mean even at um, the NEC when you came over there and I was uh, helping you out in the stand after the show we we had something oh, to eat awesome. you know we talked for ages and um, you know I, I just think that means more to me than anything you know making these new friends and international friends and you know the people that you meet and uh, that that is my end goal it's not money uh obviously we need money to to live and to get by 
but my my end goal is happiness it's it's meeting people it's finding you know new stories and sharing your stories and making other people happy and putting a smile on their face and also putting a smile on on my face as well um and yeah and, and to me that's worth more than anything so that's kind of again me me failing me finding myself and then you know this happiness come in and and i'm this totally different person than what i used to be uh, I, I honestly i wish you knew me all the way back then you uh who was i was hard to talk to because i'd clam up and i'd be like these two sentences and that's about it uh, to now where I've probably done it now. I mean, we was meant to have a, a 30 minute talk and I don't even know how long we've gone on for. Um, but yeah, you know, and th I just, I just love it. And it just, yeah, photography, um, you know, uh, people like yourself, you put a smile on my face and it, it just makes me just drive on and, and move forward and uh, do new things. Well, you're giving us a window into that because, you know, as I grow older, I realize that I'm I'm not 54 years old. I'm 54 and 45 and 4 and 11 and 17, yeah. all in one. And so the fact that I wasn't there, I, I still know that that 35-year-old, that 25-year-old Robert through you and through where you're at right now. And that's really powerful. And so as I'm listening to you talk, you, you had the idea driving into town that, hey, I want to get on that billboard. And you end up being in a sports magazine. And then that led to a billboard. And then eventually that led to us meeting and and i want to give a shout out to jonathan because jonathan is really yeah. that connector that allowed you and i to sit down in that meal in birmingham and have a you know the long conversation that we had and that was our initial meeting but jonathan is so good at oh, bringing definitely. people together and connecting you know you to fundy and and us and and uh and you and me so uh you know having that team and having that network and having that community and Again, you are such an important part of our community because you reach out and you teach people and you bring people alongside, and uh, and that's super powerful. I love that. I I just I have one more question for you, and that is for those of us as creatives that find ourselves in a rut, that find ourselves whether it's because of circumstances like the lockdown or or just something that we can't even explain, we're not up to. Our, our normal emotional or creative selves, what kind of recommendations? And you talked about those assignments at the end of the golden ticket conversation you had uh, that, that you gave that were so freeing to that, that participant um, or the person you were talking to. What would you give as general guidelines that would help us get okay, back so, on track? Um, so one of, one of my favorite uh, things is like little tasks, little, little assignments and for anyone that's struggling in photography, um, and a lot of a lot of people think that an assignment is a twelve month, you know, plan. It's it's going to be a twelve month uh, assignment, and then this this struggle of it, you know, especially when it's this uh, photo a day or a photo a month, and people get really excited, they'll start it, and then it slowly fades away. And the best thing you can do is make your assignments short and sweet but something that you're going to learn about so for instance your lenses you know they're all there in front of you uh, maybe your, your first assignment is say you you go out every day and most amateur photographers will have this one camera bag and it'll have all the lenses they own in it it'll have the camera in and they'll uh put it on the back, they'll go out for the day, they carry this heavy bag around that's hurting the bag, but they'll only ever pull their camera out and use the lens that's actually on the camera. And they've carried all these lenses around all day. I, I see it so many times. So why not take all your lenses out and just use one lens for even a week, make it a week assignment to start. So each week, you're going to change your lens and that way you can compile all these images and you can have little folders with you know say a 28 mil and a 35 mil and you can see all the differences then at the end of the month pick um, one image from each of the your folders 
and then create um, a little table with each lens and the look that it gives. So obviously, you know, a, a 28 mil is quite light, uh, wide. So if you use a shallow depth of field, you don't get that much bokeh. Um, and then uh, if you use a, an 85 and use it a shallow depth of field, you can get a lot more bokeh. So if you can't understand blurriness, a lot of amateur photographers, the first thing they'll always say is, oh, how do you get all the background blurry? Well, if you take those shots like that with your lenses, then you'll be able to understand more how a blur works with a, a narrower or a wider uh, depth of field as well. So um, one, of the, one of the tasks that I gave to, uh, this is actually quite a good one to do. So one of the tasks that I gave to the, the caller who had the golden ticket, was talking about white balance um, and she couldn't really get to grips with it and she always used auto white balance. So I gave her a task. And I said, actually, one thing that you may not notice is your white balance will always change depending on the lens that you use. And she says, oh, I, you know, I don't understand what you mean. I said, right, well, let's go, let's take it all the way back. And you've got a lens baby lens. And she had a, a lens baby uh, lens, the, the Sweet 50, uh, it was in the Composer Pro. I says, and you've got a 50 millimeter um on your nikon which is an autofocus oh yeah yeah i've got one of those brilliant and she she won a sony camera as well uh from you i believe and she had a sony lens and i said that's this is brilliant because you've got you've got three different manufacturers you've got nikon you've got sony and you've got lens bay right so this is brilliant i've got a task so what you're going to do you're going to go out you're going to take the the same picture outside of the same thing with each different lens, okay? But it's gonna be at the same distance, so every shot is the same. You're gonna use the same settings on each of the cameras, so uh, it all stays the same across the board. And your white balance, we're gonna get a bit uh, out of our comfort zone now. We're gonna go into <laughs> Kelvin. And I had to explain to her the Kelvin uh, setup. And I said, for daylight, 5,600 5, uh, Kelvin, uh, that's kind of daylight. I went, set all the cameras to 5,600 Kelvin. I says, when you go out, take the pictures and then get the pictures back onto your uh, computer, use Lightroom. I says, put them all next to each other and then, you know, you'll see something totally different. And she was so excited. She says, oh my God, I've, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this next week. I'm going to do it. Says, what, what will happen? I says, what will happen is your white balance on all of those images will be different. And she'll, yeah, but I thought we set it in the Kelvin. Says, yeah, we have. And this is how you can understand uh, your lenses better. And I was trying to explain to her where some photographers might go, oh, I love Canon glass, you know, Canon glass is my favorite. Or some will go, you know, oh, I, I, I love uh, Leica. And I was uh, explaining about why people like Leica and it's the look that it gives. I went, now, a, a big thing behind this is because the coating that each manufacturer puts on the lens. So the coating that Nikon puts on is completely different than the coating that um, um, uh, Sony puts on. And then you get Lens Baby. Well, Lens Baby, you, you don't have coating on there because it, it's more of a, you know, it's a crisp, nice, clear image um, and, the, and how the lenses work because they're manual and you get this beautiful, uh, fresh image that comes off it and the white balance is lovely. And that's why I like them because I know if I'm taking a picture with a lens baby lens, I like a bit of a warm image. So instead of 5,600 Kelvin, I go to 5,800, you know, I, I just, I know what to set it at. And she says, oh, do you know what? says you've just taught me something there and a big green come on my face i was like ah oh, you know i love that i love it and she went i never knew that the coating on the lenses could alter the white balance uh, and i was like yep yeah. i says it totally yeah. does and that's a big part why certain photographers like certain types of glass um and it is because of mm -hmm. how the coating is done on the front of the lens so uh, so yeah so if you if you listen to this and you want a task then, um, you know, it doesn't need to be, you know, all the lenses, just get yourself uh, one of the lens babies and get yourself one of um, 
um, say your other lenses and then take the same image set your Kelvin to uh, say uh, daylight and then see what the difference is and you will see a, a big difference from it as well well I love it you've, you've just given like a, a full <laughs> workshop here with multiple days and uh, you know a week-long workshop because you said a month long because you said take yeah. take one lens and and shoot it for a week and and get to know it get you know and then yeah. spend time with it and bring them all in and yeah. compare like we're, you're talking about the depth of field you're going to you're going to learn things about photography about your particular equipment about what you see through those lenses and i love what you said about the 365 because you see all these people that somehow they keep motivated sometimes multiple yeah. years like uh, my friend Carrie Friedman is has has continued to do like like 365 every single day and now she's on like I don't even know what year she's on it's like that is mind-boggling I do not no. have that kind of focus and commitment and uh, dedication uh, because I lose interest because you know if I shoot three or four days in a row and it falls flat it's like yeah. why am yeah. I doing this but if you if you look at it you said uh, yeah. short and sweet have a short and sweet project that you know is not going to lose your attention and then also do things yeah. that are going to help you learn those are great you know hand in hand and, aspects of, of any kind and, of project. one of the one it. of the biggest things i found uh, to sort of to help you learn photography especially when it comes to depth of field if you've got all your lenses, it, it doesn't even need, I mean, most, uh, I'm going to say, full-time professionals use primes, but just think of a, a, a zoom. It doesn't matter. Say you've got a 24 to 70 zoom, and that's all very well, but you might go out there and take one picture with that and think, all oh, right, I know how it works. Well, uh, this is the last task I'm going to, uh, to give you. Well, that 24 to 70 has so many different looks, and let's think of the foreground. Think of, you've got a windmill behind the subject and take a picture of that person uh, with the windmill behind. Say the windmill's right in the distance, you know, it's a, it's a good, um, you know, you, can, you squint and you can sort of see the windmill there. Take it at 24 millimetres, you take that shot. Now change, you know, zoom your lens to 35, take the exact same shot and then take it at 70 uh, millimeter, take that exact, exact same shot. Look at the windmill behind that person in each one of those shots and it will blow your mind as an amateur photographer because when you're at 24, the windmill seems really far away. Now, when you're at the 70, that windmill will come very close to uh, the subject. And it's as though someone's picked up the windmill, run over to you, and then put it down on the ground and it's closer to you. But that's the best thing. Now you understand that lens and now you understand why, you know, instead of just going and turning the lens and taking like 50 shots and going, okay, I've got all these shots at different crops, think more about before you take the picture, oh, do I want that foreground? Do I want it closer to the subject or do I want it further away? And knowing that you don't need to move that subject, you can just then zoom out to 70, take the shot and uh, jobs are good. And as where in the past, you might have been walking all the way over that field to put them there at um, you know the foreground and think, oh, that tree's closer to him now. And you didn't need to do that. So it, it's, all these little tasks can just last a week, they could last a day, but it's going to learn you more about how your equipment works that you own, and that is going to encourage you more to get out and shoot and put a smile on your face. I love it. Yet another workshop that you just uh, you just handed handed all of our listeners, and uh, I appreciate this this conversation so much, Robert, and that you have shared so much of your journey and things I didn't know and uh, can you know on many levels relate to, and that the the fact that you have approached photography and and embraced photography almost as a yeah. survival method early on and that that has become something that is sustaining for you and i i'm very inspired i love the fact that uh for me this is the beginning of my day and i get to i get to go into the rest of my day uh after this conversation that's that's fantastic no thank you so much it's, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you and catching up with you as well 
Yeah. And where can our listeners uh, find more about, uh, find information? So uh, they can go to my my website, which is uh, rpphotographybydesign.co.uk. Uh, I've got a wealth of information on there, uh, my About Me section. I have a, a blog that I regularly update. Uh, and I also have a, a training uh, section on there as well. Uh, we've got uh, YouTube, uh, just put in my name, Robert Pugh. And I've got loads of free content on there on how to use lenses, cameras, everything like that. Always uh, updating that. And then we've got, uh, I would say my Instagram is probably one of the best places to, to go because I'm updating that really regular. Um, so that's uh, the at and it's um, uh, RP photo by design. So uh, head over there, give us a follow. I'll give you a follow back and then we'll become Instagram friends. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Robert. You have a fantastic rest of your evening and uh, I, I look forward to our next conversation a lot. I hope no problem. And, uh, look forward to it and you have a, a good day and I'm going to go and have my tea and then put my feet up because it's evening over here. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Cheers. Have a great Bye. night. My takeaway from this conversation with Robert is one, make your project simple. Make it bite-sized so that you're not chewing off or biting off something that is uh, is going to get discouraging. And two, failure is the path to success. How great is that? If I could live my life with that attitude so that it's not just in retrospect when I'm looking back years later, but actually in the moment after I've fallen on my face uh, and and I failed and say okay well I, I didn't clear that hurdle but there's no looking back we're gonna we're gonna look to the next hurdle and we're gonna move on and we're gonna do better next time even if what we just tried to to, to accomplish we didn't accomplish the way we wanted to um, I, Robert I want you to start a podcast called Failure is the Path to Success I love it I will listen to every episode. Thanks for joining me for the Moving Through Fear podcast, where we explore what it means to move through fear to discover extraordinary creative freedom.